Okay, this morning I'm going to be continuing our series on Ephesians. My name is Flora. Uh, I'm one of the leaders here at New Community Church. The last couple of days I've been on the Pioneer Women's Conference as well. And yesterday, when I introduced myself to somebody, I do tend to get a variety of reactions about my name. And this lady was particularly excited about my name, so much so that she actually sang a song because, <laughs> which I, 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 all my life, I didn't know that there was a song with my name in, but apparently there is. And she sang most of the song, didn't she, to us? And so I had to look it up when I came home. There is a song with my name in. Sarah didn't quite get a song, did you? No. But it was a really good time away, and it is really good to connect with other people and see what is going on in other churches across the country. Okay, so I'm going to be reading this morning from Ephesians 2, 11 to 22. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it should be up on the screen. Don't forget that you were Gentile, you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in a world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Jesus Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us, He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards one another was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are called citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So this is the second half of Ephesians. Last week, Pete spoke to you on the first half, which was talking about being made alive in Christ, that it's only through Jesus that we're saved. It's a free gift from God. That's what Pete spoke about last week. And, and Phil reminded us two weeks ago about what the kind of overarching story and approach of Ephesians is. Now, the first three chapters are very much focused on what our story is as a people. It's not so much about individuals. It's more our story as Christians. 
And then the chapters four to six are more specific about how we then live as individuals. So as we're looking at Ephesians 2, we need to think about this and approach it as a people, as a group of people. And I think often in, in church or in our faith, we, we can focus on needing to have personal time with God, which is really important, and I'm not trying to diminish that. But there is something about our faith as a group of people that is really important. So this morning, as we read this, I'd like us to look at it through the lens of us as a community, not just us as a community, but also the whole church together. Okay, so let's start. There's kind of three sections to this this passage. And the first section is, should be up on the screen. There we go. I have had a little look through, and I, I noted the things that really stuck out to me when I was reading the passage. We see words like outsiders, apart, excluded, without God, without hope, far away. <laughs> without God, we were really far away from him. Without Jesus, we were really far away from God. Now, the Old Testament wasn't primarily about us as um, believers today. And I think we quite often forget that. And so Paul, who is writing this letter to the, the church in Ephesus, is, is, is kind of addressing the Gentiles who didn't know Jesus, who weren't part of God's people. And Jesus, his his first disciples would have been Jews, and then Pentecost came, and then they went and told all the nations. And more and more non-Jews, Gentiles found out about God and they became believers and more and more Gentiles filled the church and so the Gentiles were starting to get a little bit ahead of themselves and so Paul is writing to them to say look don't forget that you used to be outsiders the Old Testament wouldn't have been we wouldn't have been involved in that unless of course you are of Jewish birth which you might be but I'm guessing the majority of us here aren't of Jewish birth so without Jesus, we would be complete outsiders. We wouldn't be part of his people. God welcomed us even when we didn't deserve it, when we were strangers. He showed us this amazing sense of hospitality by welcoming us in, even though we, we weren't his people. And he did that through Jesus. He made us one with him. And welcoming the stranger has always been God's heart. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see how he encourages his people to not mistreat or oppress foreigners in Exodus. And in Leviticus, to not take advantage of foreigners. Because remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. God has always been for the stranger. He loves welcoming people in and bringing them close, and changing their identity. And it's something about this sort of divine hospitality that I'd really like us to think about this morning, that God has first shown us an amazing hospitality by loving us as strangers, welcoming us in, and changing our identity to being friends. Now, the second part of, the ch of this section that we're looking at this morning is... is kind of focus about Jesus breaking down the walls between the Jews and the Gentiles and all people groups, really. 
And the words here that, that kind of jumped out to me were peace, broke down walls, more peace, new people, one body, reconciled, more peace, more peace, near. Through Jesus' death on the cross, God not only made us one with God, but also he made us into one humanity. It used to be Jews were close to God and Gentiles and everyone else was far. But now, Paul is saying, we are all together, one new people. Jesus, through his death on the cross, broke down those walls. But also, in his life, he did the same. We look at his ministry, and we've heard this morning from what Liz was sharing. Jesus lived to break down those cultural boundaries and make uh, us one people and cool people children of God. He drew people from completely incompatible backgrounds, such as tax collectors, Pharisees, peasants, not pheasants, lepers, women, zealots, and he called them sons and daughters of God. While the Pharisees were building up barriers and making rules, Jesus was breaking them down. He actively went to places and spaces that other people wouldn't do and create these places of welcome and hospitality where identities could be changed. Uh, Tim Chester is, um, uh, writes, writes a lot about uh, Jesus having meals with people and he encourages us to do the same. And he writes a list of the, some of the meals that Jesus shared in Luke. And he suggests that in Luke, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. Jesus liked meals. And the most amusing thing is, is that I don't think Jesus, Jesus really hosted a meal. He just invites himself to other people's houses. So don't feel the pressure of hospitality in your life. Just invite yourself to someone else's. Um, so, so we see this list here. He eats with tax collectors. He is anointed at the home of Simon the Pharisee. He feeds the 5,000. He eats with Mary and Martha. He condemns the Pharisees at a meal. There's the parable of the great feast. There's the story of Zacchaeus, the last supper, the meal with the disciples in Emmaus, and he eats fish on the beach. In his life and in his death, he chose to break down walls. I love the story of Zacchaeus. It's one of my favorites. This um, little man who was probably, was really hated by the other people um, because of his job. I mean, really, really despised. And he hears that Jesus is coming. And because he's small, also the story goes, children's story, he climbs up to the top of the tree and uh, he, he waits and to see Jesus. And Jesus comes to him and says, you, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house for a meal. He invites himself but he creates a space where suddenly Zacchaeus goes from being the outsider, the stranger, the one that's hated, to being a friend, and his life is totally transformed. That is the Jesus that we serve, and that is the Jesus that we want to be like, to be like somebody who doesn't put up walls and barriers, but, but works to break them down. Okay, so the third section here is um, from 19 through to 22. 
the words that jump out to me, there's quite a lot of richness in this passage. No longer strangers, your citizens, family, you're his house, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. Jesus is the cornerstone. We're joined. We are becoming a holy temple. This is a beautiful picture of what the whole church is becoming. A temple where the Holy Spirit dwells that is um, built on Jesus as the cornerstone. Uh, the, the kind of parts of this that, that, that stand out to me is this, this thing that's really struck me about this passage and I can't escape. And that sentence that says, you're no longer strangers, but we have been welcomed in. And I think we need to really know this about our, identi our identity. And I'm speaking as a definitely a second, if not a third generation Christian. I think it's so easy for me to feel like the Bible, I'm the center of the biblical story and it's all about me, but it's not. I was so much, and I'm so much an outsider. I, I wouldn't be, if, if Jesus hadn't done this, I would be totally ostracized and outsider. And I need to know that that's what I would have been without Xenia. So hospitality means the love of strangers. And this is what God has done. This passage is demonstrating this divine hospitality that God had for us. This is our story. It, this is our story. This is what needs to permeate every part of our lives. God chose to transform our identity from a strange project because there is truth in that as well. And this passage goes on to say that we need to be founded on Jesus as the cornerstone. Now, a cornerstone, I think there's a picture here of a cornerstone. A cornerstone would have been used in ancient, that doesn't look very ancient actually, this building, but in ancient buildings, um, it would have been a really big stone at the base where all of the other stones would have been put in alignment to this stone and built like that. And... Um, so what Jesus, so what's being said in this passage is that we need to, as individuals, be in alignment with Jesus. So, and, and, and as we do that, we will be built into a, a holy temple. Now, this is a temple where the Holy Spirit will live. We heard quite a lot about that, didn't we, in lockdown? That um, the church isn't a building. It's not an organization. It's not a Sunday morning meeting, it's not a charity, it's not a social action project, it's people. But we really need to believe that this is our story, that the Holy Spirit will dwell when we are together in unity. We cannot have faith on our own, it's not possible. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will dwell when we are together. It strikes me about this passage as well, that part that says we are becoming a holy temple. We are not fully established yet. And I think as a church, as we think about how we are open and how we extend out, we need to remember that, that God is ever building his temple. He's ever joining people in. And so we need to be ready for that. We need to be open and welcoming and ready for things to change a little bit. I wonder how that image would change as stones start to get built. Would it grow up? Would it go out? How would it change? I don't know, but there's some, something dynamic in that. 
Okay, so we were once strangers with God, but we've been made one with him through Jesus' death on the cross. And Jesus has broke down the walls that exist between us as Christians and made us into one family, one people, so that the Holy Spirit can dwell within us. He's shown us his divine hospitality through this. So how do we need to respond as a people? Well, I think there's two ways that we need to respond. Firstly, about the way that we welcome and work with churches, people within the church and with other churches. It's going to be great in a, in a moment, just as I finish, uh, that we've got uh, Coyote here and you're going to have the opportunity to pray for us. And it's, uh, I, I think we are so blessed in Southampton to have such fantastic unity between the churches and a real desire to work together because we are one, we're one church working for one mission. So thank you so much that you'll be praying for us this morning. But also for newcomers, for people that come and, and join our church congregation. It's been amazing to see lots of new people here over the last few weeks and months. We want to welcome you. And I would really challenge you that it's so important to welcome people that you don't necessarily know. Have people over for dinner or even do what Jesus did and invite yourself to their house. But create spaces where people can open up and start to pour out. Um, I probably don't have time for that story. Um, secondly, of course, not only do we want to be welcoming to those within the church, but also outside of the church. And um, we've heard, we've heard from, from Clive and Isaac about what you guys are doing in Shoaling. And we've heard a little bit about the warm space this morning. Grace shared what's happened. It's, they, there was a cost of living summit, a kind of recap thing, a couple of weeks ago. And the community hub team were saying about how they'd gone to this and they were using the warm space that's here as an example and saying it's been one of the most successful warm spaces that there's been. And the reason that that was because was because it was being built on something that was already happening, an activity that was already happening, a community that there already was, a space of belonging that already existed. And people were able to be welcomed into that with open arms. And in that place, they change from stranger to friend to hearing about the truth and what their identity really is. The way that we extend hospitality and create spaces for other people and go out of our comfort zone, that's how we're going to see people's identity change from stranger of God to friend of God and be built into this beautiful building that is the church. I don't mean the physical building, the people. Now, I'm guessing that you have um, three, meals, three meals a day or and maybe a coffee break. That's four times a day, 28 times a week. That's 28 opportunities. Could you grab one of them to make a stranger, a friend, whether that's someone here this morning or whether that's someone outside of church? 
So I think hospitality is going to be really key for us as we step forward into this year because it is so intrinsic to the gospel that we have to share that is our story. God showed us hospitality. Jesus demonstrated it in his life and death. And so must we. If we want to see the whole church following the way of Jesus, making disciples, bringing life and transformation to every area of Southampton and beyond, I think it's going to start with an invitation and an openness to one another and to outsiders. Now I'm finished. But um, it would be really wonderful, I think, to kind of take this moment to invite Kennedy up. So would you, did you want to do that? You're happy for me to? No, great. Okay. So, um, David, do you want to come up? So it's really wonderful in response to this passage in the Bible um, to see that we are all part of one church together. And so, David, you're part of um, Churches Together in Shirley, aren't you? Do you want to explain a little bit about the exchange and everything? Yes. Um, isn't it wonderful how God kind of works all things together that, you know, there's a common theme here this morning through everything. And this wasn't pre-planned for Coyote to be here today, but it just fits perfectly, I think, with uh, what we've been talking about. So, such encouragement this morning. Yes, as Flora said, I've had the privilege of serving as the representative for Churches Together in Shirley for uh, quite a number of years now. And um, I just want to tell you that there are some really lovely people in churches in Southampton, and particularly in Shirley, just saying. <laughs> and uh, it's been my privilege to be a part of that. Romans 12 verse 5 says, so we are many, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. And in Corinthians 12 verse 20, we're reminded that there are many members but one body. The history of church unity has sometimes been one that I'm convinced has grieved the heart of God. I'm pretty sure that when we get to heaven, his greeting to us will not contain the phrase, well done, my good and faithful servant. You found a reason not to speak to the church down the road for all those years. On the contrary, we know that when we recognize our unity in Christ, God commands a blessing. Every year, CTIS, Churches Together in Shirley, arranges for pairs of churches to pray for one another. We've done this for quite a number of years now, and it's always been an absolute joy to have that privilege to go and pray for another church and for their representative to come to us. It's important because of what it signifies in terms of the unity as much as it is about the, the act itself. Um, so I'm delighted to welcome Coyote this morning who's now going to come and pray for us. So thank you, Coyote. Thank you very much, David. Thank you, church. I uh, just want to say a very big thank you for having my wife and I this morning from Mercy Church in Southampton. And, and as David has said, I'm here to pray for you uh, as part of our churches together in Shelley. Uh, but just before I pray, I'd like to say that uh, you're really blessed. Uh, I was really touched by the word of knowledge from Sarah earlier that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It did touch me richly. I was also moved by and blown away by the ministration from the worship team. 
was really rich. And the Spirit of God is in the house. Whether you believe it or know it or not, He is in the house. I felt it in my spirit, deep down. And I trust that today He's going to move mightily in Jesus' name. I'm also touched by the ministration from Rachel about the book of Ephesus, chapter 2. And honestly, I've got something to take away. The things that resonate to me from the start of the service today is about hope. It's about freedom. It's about kingdom. About citizenship. And our right in Christendom. I was also moved by Clive's uh, uh, talk about, you know, how well and how rich God is moving. And Tina's place is lovely. The God that we serve is a miracle-working God. And I trust that today that you have been blessed and you're going to go home fully loaded with God's blessings in Jesus' name. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you. We bless your holy name. This is the day that you have made. And we are rejoicing and we are glad in it. Thank you for dwelling in our praises, in our worship. Thank you because we felt your presence in the house. I felt it. And I know you are still here. You are the God of the heavenlies. The God in the heavens and the God here on earth. This morning... I pray for New Community Church. And I decree that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in blessing, you are blessed in the name of Jesus. I pray that the King of glory will multiply this church spiritually and numerically in the name of Jesus. I pray that even as we have entered into the gates with thanksgiving, and we've entered into his courts with praise this morning, that everyone with a burden will have the burden lifted off their shoulder in Jesus' name. Every yoke of the devil and the life of anyone, let the yoke be broken by reason of the anointing of God in the house in the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, Chapter 6, verse 12, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. This morning, I pray for you from the bottom of my heart, and I decree that anyone who has been oppressed, today is your deliverance. Be set free. In the name of Jesus. Anyone who is held bound by one sickness or disease. We have a right. We are sons and daughters of the most high God. And so we can cry unto our father and say, Abba, father. And so we cry this morning together as one church, one body in Christ. That anything holding you down by way of oppression, by way of sickness, by way of disease, be set free from them in the name of Jesus. We call on the spirit of the most high God, the third of the Trinity, that he will fill our hearts, fill our mind, 
fill our soul with peace, with hope, with a future in the name of Jesus. The Bible says a living dog is better than a dead lion. The fact that you and I are alive today, we have hope, 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 hope that tomorrow will be better. And so I pray hope, the hope of God into the life of everyone under the sound of my voice that received the hope from God in the name of Jesus. Hope that things will become better in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. I pray for the leadership of New Community Church. And I use Theo, I use Sarah, I use Clive as a point of contact to the leaders of New Community Church. That in blessing you will bless them in the name of Jesus. I pray the spirit of the most high God upon them. That Lord God Almighty you will fill them up. Even as you fill the lives of the apostles in the days of old. That they will receive the grace and the spirit to lead and to lead aright. Willingly and faithfully doing the will and the purpose of the kingdom of God. Here on earth in Jesus name. I also pray for the church as a whole that you will keep moving forward. Your vision is to preach the word of God, the gospel of Jesus to the city of Southampton and its neighboring uh, areas. I pray that the joy of the Lord will be your strength even as you go about doing this in Jesus' name. And the blessing that comes with preaching the word of God will come into your life from today and forward in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you because you hear us always. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praises. We say and we decree collectively as a church that new community church will go from strength to strength, will go from glory to glory in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, once again for answering our prayers. In Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. And let everybody say amen.